Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You guys, welcome back to another episode of Creative Source with Andy Osho, the podcast about creativity for the creative in you. No matter where you are on your journey, starting out, coming back, mid-season, doesn't matter. This is the podcast for you. As always, a big shout out and thank you to my Patreon patrons. Uh, thank you, you guys. You you absolutely rock. And the fact that, you know, after what are we now seven eight months you still are supporting the show i just so so appreciate you and as i mentioned in the last episode as part of the uh perks shakeup i am doing shout outs for all my patrons and so this week the shout out goes to andy no surname um <laughs> thank you and to ciara jones thank you so much for supporting the show i appreciate you guys So last week, I started out by talking about different types of fame. And it's quite a hard one to tease out, actually. So I hope it I hope that that episode made sense. I just wanted to kind of lay a foundation for the conversation that we're going to have, because not all fame is built the same. Um, It shows up differently in different spaces and it's different for different people. We each individually have a different perception of someone's level of fame. I remember, um, (laughs) you know, late nights on uh, when you're filming, you get into the most bizarre conversations. And I was having a conversation with a couple of castmates of like, who's more famous, such and such or such and such. And this conversation went on for, it felt like hours, you know, because we're like, ah, but that person's known for their TV work and that's been seen all around the world. Ah, but that person was in that movie. Yeah, but nobody knows that person's name. They know he was in the, the, do you know what I mean? It just went on 
on and on and on. So like that is just to say there, you know, it really is down to our own perception. But I just wanted to lay a foundation so that we can have this conversation this week about the benefits, but also the pitfalls of being famous. If you want to become Creative Source Famous, why don't you check out the Patreon Perks Tier 1 and you will be able to get um, a Creative Source shout out. I mean, what? Yeah, that could happen. Um, Yeah, head over to Patreon, link in the show notes to find out how you can get a shout out. Now, also, I should say, you guys, don't forget that if you're tempted by Patreon, but none of the perks are completely speaking to you, hit me up. Let me know what you would like to see in the perks that would have you sign up. It's um, it's not set. As you've seen that I, you know, I switched up the perks um, relatively recently. I'm constantly changing stuff. So if there's something that would speak to you, then just let me know and we can have a look at it. All right, let's talk about the benefits first of all, of grounded fame. So I, I, I'm I, not really talking about the fame that comes with celebrity type fame. Do you know what I mean? I'm talking about fame you get from being in Big Brother or, you know, that type of thing. I'm talking about fame that's come from your creativity because this is a podcast about creativity. So presumably if we're looking at fame, it's going to have come from your creative work rather than um, the more shortcut route, <laughs> let's say, that you might get through um, doing some kind of reality show or something like that. So the benefits. Well, um, this is all theoretical as well, because every situation is different and it's not a given that those these things will happen. And also this list is not exhaustive. There will be things that you think of as I'm saying these that you'll just go, oh, hang on, but what about blah, 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 that I've completely overlooked? But yeah, so one of the one of the perks can be that you get better offers of work. Now, as you yeah, as you your your name gets out there and people start to associate you with a certain quality of work, a certain level of work, what should happen or what can happen is that you start to get more offers at that new level. Even on, on, you know, my small corner of the world, after I did Line of Duty, my agent did notice a change in the type of um, offers, uh, audition offers that were coming my way. So not necessarily getting straight offers of roles yet, but, you know, that I was being asked to audition at least for, you know, uh, projects that were had a bit more notoriety to them. So as your recognition in your field grows, so too could the quality of work offers that come your way. And then when you get to some sort of heady height of, you know, actual fame, you may start to get other offers associated with other lines of work. So for example, you may be asked to endorse certain things or be the face of a particular product. How many times have you seen like a perfume or an aftershave advert with some gorgeous actor, not a model, but an actor? become the front of that, that particular product or, you know, luxury watches or, uh, you know, all those sorts of things. So as your fame increases, you may start to become aligned with certain um, products that uh, feel that they will get value from associating themselves with you. 
And and probably, actually, I should have said this one first. You get to have the joy of recognition. Let's not pretend that there isn't some joy in having your work acknowledged and recognized. And fame allows that. That is, I suppose, one of the benefits of it is that you will have strangers coming up to you, people you don't know, telling you that you're great and that your work is great. And that can give you a warm, fuzzy feeling inside, not going to lie. As I'm saying this, I'm remembering um, being at a... um, (laughs) I did a a corporate gig and this guy comes up to me and he's like, you know, maybe some operations manager or something like that, you know, had a bunch of keys jangling on his hip and, you know, short sleeve shirt and stuff. And he's just like, and he's like, oh, Andy Osho, so lovely to meet you. I'm a huge, I'm a fan of yours. (laughs) And I really wanted to love the fact that he qualified it. No, actually, I'm not huge. I'm just a fan. (laughs) But nonetheless, I'm not, I'm just saying that because it just made me laugh at the time. But I'm, I really appreciated him coming and saying anything. Um, and for the most part, what I found is that face to face people are always very sweet, not necessarily so uh, in via other modes of communication, which we'll talk about. But certainly face to face, people are, are very sweet and very complimentary. And, you know, it can feel good to have that kind of uh, recognition and acknowledgement of your work. There can be financial rewards that come with fame, not necessarily. It's not the fame as such, but it's what the fame can give you. So like I say, better work offers may come your way. You may go from being the sort of person that has to audition or pitch to getting offers. And so there will be financial rewards from that. So the fame doesn't necessarily directly precipitate like financial reward, but it can facilitate that happening. And also, (laughs) This is quite a, a, not contentious, but you know, famous people get a lot of free stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like a lot of free stuff. I'm talking about like mega famous people. They got a lot of free stuff and it is kind of controversial in a way because it's just like, we're all out here grafting, you know, people are going to feel like, and, and you just get given all this expensive stuff that you can afford. But let's not get into the judgment of it because otherwise that will take up the whole podcast and the politics of it. The fact of the matter is, Famous people get free stuff. They even have um, gifting suites at certain award ceremonies where you just go and collect stuff because they want they want you to be seen using these things. So you yeah, wear that fancy watch. You know, um, how many times have you heard about um, women going to sort of award ceremonies and being gifted like thousands of pounds worth of jewelry to wear so that you know that particular jewelry maker can say, oh, she's wearing one of our pieces. I wanted to send a copy of my book to somebody and they came back to me and said, oh, here's my gifting post office box. (laughs) So they've even set up a post office box to receive their stuff, their free stuff. Um, I know you're wondering, like, Andy, how much free stuff do you get? Like none. (laughs) I mean, I tell you what I get a lot of is books, which is really lovely. I don't always get a chance to read them all, but I do get sent a lot of books. And that's obviously a new thing since I joined the literary world. But um, yeah, I don't I don't get free stuff. Um, I did get some clothes once from a kind of high street brand um, because they wanted me to make a video for them about my book. And so they sent me some some of their clothes. They had a book club. And so that was that was kind of nice. But yeah, generally speaking, like if there's a knock at my door, it's somebody from Amazon. It's not free stuff being delivered for me. Um, 
So what other benefits are there? Well, your persona can start to have a uh, transferable value, really. And and how does that show up? Well, say, for ex- example, um, an actor who has been in a very popular TV show writes a book. The advance that they're going to get is going to be way bigger than the advance that somebody who has not been in a popular TV show is going to get. And that is purely because their persona, who they are, has got now got a transferable value. Um, say, for example, a supermodel decides to start a beauty line. A lot of black American uh, actresses have hair care lines. Now, were they struggling actors who said, I'm going to start a hair care line? I don't think they would be getting the level of endorsement and the level of investment and the level of sales that they are getting now. So you, who you are becomes um, a commodity almost. And then on a creative level, you get to collaborate with great people. You get to collaborate with people who are working at a particular level. They may be people that you've aspired to work with um, and people that require you to level up your game, which is, you know, more important, I would say, is not the getting to work with so-and-so who's famous. It's getting to improve because you're now working at that tier of excellence. Because hopefully if someone's famous because of their creative craft, this, the skills that they have in their creative craft, that that will also help you to improve your creative craft as well. And this is why I'm talking specifically about fame that's come from your work rather than that you're, um, you know, uh, a reality star or something like that. And and there's probably quite a lot of like creative benefits from fame that, you know, uh, Matthew McConaughey said there was like before a time to kill and after uh, in terms of like the types of projects that he was getting seen for. And so he did a time to kill and the floodgates opened. He was inundated with scripts before that. You know, he wasn't he was he was just a jobbing actor like everybody else, essentially. Um, but he did a time to kill the, the John Grisham adaptation and everything changed. All right, guys. Now, look, if you would like to become Creative Source Famous, <laughs> I love the idea that that's even a thing. Um, well, it isn't. I've just made it up, haven't I? But if you would like a shout out, basically, and make, to make yourself Creative Source Famous, sign up to the opening tier on Patreon and I will make it happen. All right. I think it's time for a bit of bite-sized advice. And this time it's from author CJ Skews. Fame. Well, I'm not famous, so thanks for rubbing that in. But no, seriously, I don't know if I want to be famous because I think it can be a double-edged sword and I can certainly see the allure of being famous. Uh, But you know, in reality, it's probably a bit of a nightmare where your private life isn't your own anymore. Um, But I think ultimately what we all want, we just want recognition. We want recognition for something we've done and are proud of. So if my books get a bit famous one day, that would be great. I hope it makes more people look at my backlist and find out what my other books are about. Um, But if that doesn't happen, as long as I'm allowed to continue writing, that's probably enough for me. Um, but I would like to see my name on uh, a film one of these days. I'd like to see my name up there on the screen. That would be nice. That would be a nice little bit of fame.
That was um, CJ Skews. I'm sorry. You're famous to me, babes. And if you would like to find out about CJ's um, back catalogue, she wrote Pretty Bad Things, Rockaholic, Dead Romantic, Monster and the Deviants. And uh, yeah, she gives uh, her thoughts on fame there. And I like the fact that she was talking about what it, what it would look like for her. This is that, that's what she would want. Remember in episode one, we were talking about, you know, there being different types of fame and people being satisfied with a particular level and not necessarily wanting global fame. She's really specific about what would make her happy. People knowing her work, looking at her back catalogue and maybe uh, one of her books being adapted into a movie. So if there's anyone out there who's looking for a book to option, maybe it's worth having a look at CJ's back catalogue. I'm just saying. Hello, I'm Jason Manford, and you're listening to Creative Source with Andy Osher. Okay, so look, she mentioned there that fame can be a double-edged sword, and it's a really good point. It can be. And so let's talk about the pitfalls, because to me, there are many. And the more I see... Um, the more I experience maybe friends moving into that tier or even experiencing it briefly personally, you know, I've been in and out of spaces where um, in, through my career where I've been more well known than others, more than other times, more recognized or whatever. And as much as there are great things that come from it and some some of them I mentioned previously, there's quite a bit. And it's weird because when I was making this list, there was a lot <laughs> of pitfalls to this. Okay, so let, let's start. Now, one of the things that I really, that really came like front and center when I started to consider this was expectations and assumptions. People start to make um, assumptions about the quality of your work. And that's fine because that's why those better offers are coming in. But then that puts a certain pressure on you to deliver. I remember as well, a friend who had recently won a BAFTA for um, uh, an acting performance. You know, we were joking with that person saying, oh, you know, you must have been inundated with offers. And and they were like, well, no, it doesn't work like that. Uh, Things were very quiet for them for quite a while after. And that person would have felt burdened as well by other people's expectation. Oh, you must be inundated, you know, with work. And actually it it hadn't worked like that. Even for myself, what I noticed after I did Curfew, which, you know, was, uh, it was a show that had a lot of bells and whistles when it first came, you know, a lot of a big bang when it first came, uh, when it was first released. But in terms of work, it didn't particularly precipitate anything necessarily. It was just letting people know, oh, you know, Andy's been in this, this, cool show on Sky. Um, but people thought that that was me done. I, I, that had tipped me over the edge that I was going to be starting to get loads and loads of work offers and the opposite happened. So there's a lot of assumptions that can make you feel pressure um, to to be a certain way or to have life be be showing up a certain way when it won't necessarily off the back of some fame that you have got. People make assumptions about your lifestyle as well, that you're rich, that automatically because you're famous, you're rich. And let me tell you, there's a lot of broke people (laughs) who are famous or, you know, who are recognizable. Uh, They might be broke because they're not earning a huge amount of money. They might be, you know, very, um, what do you call it when you spend a lot of money? Spendthrift? Is that right? Anyway, yeah. So, but there's lots of reasons why um, just because somebody's famous, they're not necessarily rich. However, there is an expectation that you 
have a rich, quote unquote, lifestyle, which can also put you into debt. I remember um, Vinnie Jones talking about, you know, having moved to Hollywood and the life that he was living there. And he was he said something like it cost him like 20 grand a month just to keep his lifestyle going. So imagine the pressure that puts you under for every job that you've got to you've got to be grabbing for every job or you've got to really negotiate hard to get your fees as high as you need them to be. And that can get you into the realm of thinking, oh, maybe I'll uh, do some sort of reality something or a documentary about And the problem with that is, unfortunately, those sorts of things can devalue people's perception of you. And so you have to maintain this lifestyle while only doing a thing that you know, may not be coming your way to be able to get a job in the field that you want to get a job in, if that makes sense. So it can be a real sort of um, balancing act and can put people in precarious financial situations, this perception that people have of you, that you're rich. I mean, even like going to like award ceremonies, red carpets, that type of thing, you have to dress and appear a certain way. You might not be able you might not be able to afford to to dress in that way, yet there's an expectation that you do. And if you don't, we're, we're still in a paradigm where a who wore it best type of narrative is appropriate. I think that's awful. I hate all that stuff when they pit women against each other, who wore such and such best. But People have such a an expectation of famous people, celebrity and how they should look and that you should look like you're living a certain lifestyle that if you don't, they they drag you, they drag you. And that leads me on to another pitfall is that there's a pressure to always look good. That, you know, when uh, us average Joes and I can't, please, I do count myself because I can go to the shops and do everything and nobody knows who, who the hell I am. So, so, you know, so, but there is, a, when you're at that level of fame, it is a pressure to look good. You can't have a nip to the shops, updo, messy, wearing pajamas day. Or if you do, someone's going to get a, a picture of that and go, oh my gosh, look at Zoe Kravitz. What's happened to her? That's where we're at. Now, look, I should say, I'm not saying they should succumb to this pressure. The pressure is something that one, a person chooses to um, experience or to ignore. Or, or to generate in themselves. So it's not like the pressure is external. It's up to you. It's up to the individual to choose to succumb to it or not. But the fact is there is a dynamic there, which means that some people will feel pressure. And, I, you know, it, again, it's not a right or wrong thing. It's just, that's the way it currently is. You're expected as well. Uh, one of the pitfalls is you're expected to behave a certain way that whatever people decide your persona is, is who they want you to be when they meet you. And you might not, you might not feel like that. Um, you know, as a performer, particularly, you've got an on mode, but what if you're in Sainsbury's or Walmart or whatever? You don't want to have to be that way because people expect that of you, or you don't want to have to be that way in interviews because that's what people expect of you. Yet the dynamic becomes, that's what you have to be. Now, another another thing, which, you know, we're essentially talking about fan interactions here. One of the pitfalls can be being recognised. Now, obviously, when you're out and about, you're looking good, you're feeling good. You know, the fan interaction is respectful and nice. That's great. But what about when they're not? Or what about when you're doing something, when you're out privately 
as a private citizen at a party, say, for example, and everyone's like, oh my God, look who's in the corner, blah, blah, blah. What if you're doing vices? <laughs> I just wrote vices, <laughs> but you know what I mean? What if you've got a drug habit, right? Let's just get real. What if you drink a lot? What if you've got certain sexual proclivities that, you know, aren't the norm or common or whatever? How do you go about doing that in this day and age without somebody going, oh my God, so-and-so's a swinger or oh my God, so-and-so's into polyamory or so. If you haven't explicitly said that out, out to, uh, if that's not in the public domain, I mean, gosh, look how, how, you know, the fact that people still have to come out tells you something about what the public perception is of who people need to be or who they expect people to be. The fact that that still needs to be a threshold to cross. It's baffling to me sometimes. So, and, and, and by the way, I'm not, I'm not likening, um, being gay to, to vices. What I'm saying is that if you have a sexual preference that doesn't fit the heteronormative standards or whatever, that that can be a pitfall. If you're not ready to let people know about that, that fame can be, that can be one of the pitfalls of fame. That's, that's what I'm saying. And just as well, in terms of like personal security, again, I'm talking about fan interactions, essentially. When fan interactions go really wrong and, and it turns into stalking, there is a real personal safety issue. And it's mainly, to me, it seems like it's mainly men towards women, but women can become obsessive too. I know that that can be a thing as well. And just as an aside, just one thing I also want to mention. So when you perform live, there is basically a list on the internet of when you're not going to be home. Now think about that for a second, that, you know, you're so famous that a multitude of burglars could know, will know you're not home. So you have to now take precautions against that. If you're a football player, if you're a sports person of any nature, people know, okay, Simone Biles is in Tokyo. If we know her address, we could rob her. So you've got, you know, you've got to protect yourself against all of those things as well. Um, just another thing on the homes of famous people. Um, I follow um, Zach Levy and, you know, we were in Shazam together. <laughs> well, not really together. He was Shazam. I was also in the film. <laughs> Make it sound like we were just like scene partners the whole time. Anyway, he posted the other day and he said that um, what he believed was either a mother and daughter or a young girl and her older sister came to his door asking for a person. And then when he said that that person wasn't there, they did this pretend, oh, oh, hang on a minute. I recognize you. You're blah, blah, blah. And he was just really pissed off that they were clearly pretending to, they knew it was his address and they knocked on his door. And he was just like, don't come to people's houses unannounced because you're not going to get the interaction that you're hoping for. It's not going to be a favorable response you're going to receive. Yeah. Okay. Right. Right. We met, but now I'm pissed that you're on my property. And I tell you that in the spirit of like, when you are super famous, people will do really crazy stuff to have interactions with you. They will go through your stuff. They will, that you, you will, you might categorize it as stalking. They won't. They'll just think, I just want to meet that person. But actually uh, there's a line that a lot of people are willing to cross that makes being famous, not just unpleasant, but scary. 
it is really scary. And that's what he said about this interaction was that, you know, and imagine being a woman in that situation. Imagine being a woman who lives alone and maybe a man comes to the door and they're just really keen on having an interaction, but you've knocked on their private door, (laughs) the door of their private property. It's not okay. And let me just talk creatively a moment before moving on. Um, One of the other things that can happen with um, your fame, your newfound fame, is that you can get creatively pigeonholed. You are known for doing that thing and therefore that's what people think you are and therefore that's all you keep getting offered. That can become very boring indeed for you. So, and, and it's not that you're not grateful for the thing that broke you out and gave you the opportunity to do that thing. But if you're a creative, most likely you're going to want to try and do lots of different things. You can also get to a certain level of fame where people won't be honest with you. They won't tell you the truth. You'll be surrounded by fake people and yes, men and women. And that is what can precipitate bad behavior. And, you know, you, you've almost got agreement for being the difficult star that you are because no one is willing to say no. And and it kind of feeds itself. It can escalate because if you get rid of those people that do say no, then that is a warning to the other people. If you say no too, that's what's going to happen. So that is also a pitfall uh, for sure of fame. You know what? There's so many... It's almost like, why would you want this? And I do think that sometimes, like, why would you want this? Because another thing, you know, I was talking in the previous episode about that we we want to almost deify, you know, stars, essentially, those really like Jennifer Lopez, Ben Affleck, Denzel Washington, those absolute like meteoric stars want to deify them. But then we also realize, ah, but they're not gods. And so that's when this dynamic of wanting to bring them down, it's almost like we want them to be gods, but we also want them to know they're not gods. Beyonce, you're a goddess, but you're also not a goddess. It's such a bizarre thing. And how that shows up in criticism and comment and particularly on social media. So, as I said, most in-person fan interactions, uh, in my personal experience, have been quite pleasant. I'm sure other people, depending on what their public persona is um, and how they're how they're famous, because you can have people quoting stuff back to you from your shows or or whatever. That can be really like that can probably great, and people think that you are the character you play. And if you're playing somebody not very nice, maybe the fan interactions aren't very nice. But for the most part. they're nice. But when it comes to social media, it's a whole other world of comment and criticism and you need the thickest of thickest skins, right? Um, I mean, I'm going to actually do an episode on um, social media, so I won't get into it now, but um, just know that whatever you post, someone is not going to like it. You could literally post a picture of your dog and a cute picture. And someone will go, why didn't you go to a shelter to get your dog? That looks like a pedigree. Do you know how many dogs are in shelter? And you have to be prepared and have a policy for how you are going to deal with all of that. Because otherwise it's going to drag you down. You need the thickest of thick skin. And that is probably why a lot of celebrities or a lot of famous people have that ring of protection around them of a team or people, somebody doing their social media, maybe even so that they don't have to Um, experience that because unfortunately people forget that with social media, they have easy access to the heart of a person. Do you know what I mean? Like to their heart, you can say something so mean and cutting just like that. And it will mean nothing to you. And it will 
ruin somebody else's day. Now, as a famous person, you have to decide, like, am I going to expose myself to that? You don't have the right to an easy ride on social media, but what you can do is protect yourself. And that's a conversation you have to have with yourself and your team kind of thing. But my point is, is that as part of the package, it seems to come with people thinking they can say whatever they want, whenever they want to whoever they want. And that's what social media has facilitated. Another thing, just a couple more, because there's so many, oh my God, there's so many, um, sexual attention. I think that, that we have a real problem with that still, that people don't get that sexual comments, uh, particularly men towards women. And I'm not going to get into the whys and wherefores of why it's different from women towards men. Um, you can work that out for yourselves, but it is, it's, it's really unpleasant. I've, I've had it myself. I've had people send in letters pretending to be from the army, asking for, for my used underwear and stuff. It's like, babe, you don't want that. But in all seriousness, it's like, it's a story for another day as well as to why they decided that pretending to be from the army would get them what they wanted. But it happens so much. And yes, I know that we, you know, certain celebrities or certain famous people will use their sexuality, um, a sort of sexual expression as a marketing tool. That doesn't necessarily mean that is an invitation for that type of crossing the line, once again, sexual attention. So that is something that men and women have to contend with is unwanted sexual attention. And then, of course, there's the press and gossip uh, media, uh, paparazzi, all that whole world of you being talked about, of lies being spoken about you that um, you cannot control, of narratives about who you are and what you've done, being out there that you have no say over. It's unpleasant. And, you know, actually, I think societally, we do have an issue around this because I'll just say this on this, um, you know, because we could talk extensively just about this very thing, but like just about those telephoto uh, lensed shot photos, you know, the ones I'm talking about, those sort of grainy, blurry pictures of people uh, pushing their shopping trolley, a famous person pushing their shopping trolley at Tesco's or, you know, on a beach or whatever. I've seen a few as well of Ben Affleck when he was still with Jennifer Garner with the kids going to church looking miserable because the, you know, they're being surrounded by these people uh, taking photographs of them. And I hate these. I hate that this is a thing. I hate that this is part of our society, that we can have these people almost parasiting off of other people, trying to get photos, trying to get paid. Because that's really all they want. They can be as like, how are you doing, Brittany? How are you feeling today, Brittany? Really, they're looking to goad and goad and goad until they get a reaction. And then they have a a photo. Then uh, Britney Spears lashes out and they get the photo and then they get like 200 grand or whatever for this exclusive. It's despicable, really, in my opinion, is it's kind of the one of the worst parts of um, celebrity culture. And that's why I like Instagram is because at least that person gets to curate their own, our own, uh, our experience of them. They get to have their say. They can put right things that are narratives that are being spread in the, in the, in the media. And even if they're also lying, you know, if they're lying to cover up something, then at least they get, but at least they get to dictate the narrative rather than the media constantly being in charge of the story that we have of somebody else's life. That seems crazy. But anyway, this is starting to turn into a, 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 what, a polemic 
What's it called? Anyway, this is starting to turn into a rant. So I, I, but you know, cause pap- paparazzi photography is, is a real sort of pet hate of mine. But anyway, look, let's have a listener's comment. So, um, Erin Thomas says, do you find that fame makes you a prisoner of your success, isolates you at all, has interfered at a level you feel uncomfortable with, with your day-to-day life or ability to trust people? Oh, bless you, Erin, that you even think that any of this would be an issue for me. I mean, for the most part, no, it, it doesn't interfere. The only thing that bothers me is the sexual attention. And it's not like I get loads. I'm not getting like Beyonce levels of it or anything. But sometimes, you know, I used to wear quite short skirts and stuff like that when I used to do stand up and stuff. So sometimes, people comment about my body and things like that, that I don't appreciate at all. I don't, I don't love that. It doesn't make me feel good. It's like, okay, fine. You know, you said what you said. (laughs) Um, But what I have noticed is that some people who are super famous and there's a particular actor I'm thinking of who I've heard um, from people who have worked with him or know him, have met him, that he lives a pretty isolated life because he's so famous. Like think of the most famous actor, it's him sort of thing. He's so famous that it's just easier to stay home. Can you imagine that? That you're so famous that people have got zero chill around you. And so it's just easier for you not to go out. So you're almost in your own pandemic lockdown, even when there's not a pandemic on. That must be kind of tedious. And I'm sure, yes, there's probably lots of lovely um, benefits that come with being who this person is, but wouldn't you just like a stroll on the beach? Wouldn't you like to just hold hands with the person you love without that turning into a media circus? So whilst I haven't been affected by anything to do with fame, really, uh, when you get to a certain level, it becomes a thing that is a thing. (laughs) Basically you, you, it does make you, it can make you a prisoner. It can isolate you. Because you don't know if people are relating relating to you as a human being or they're relating to you because, I don't know, you're Angelina Jolie or whatever. And, and all the associations they may have with you being that person. So I guess uh, you've got to be cautious, like, really, haven't you? If you go into um, a situation that's going to precipitate a lot of fame, it's not about not doing that thing but just being prepared for what comes with it. And I think the more you nurture a private space, you know, be private, not necessarily pay, play the paparazzi game, because did you know you can pay paparazzi to meet you at certain places? And you'll notice there's certain pap photos that aren't pap photos at all, because a person is absolutely perfectly done up, glamorous, whatever. They've probably gone, created an agreement that I'll be at such and such place. You be there. You, we know this. We, we've heard about this. And, and that is basically dancing with the devil, because the minute you don't want that attention doesn't mean you're not going to get it. So you have to t- take your pick. Do you, do you want a private life or do you want to start to play with the fire of celebrity kind of um, attention. All right, listen, that's all we're going to do this week. Um, But next week, we're going to talk about navigating fame, yours, uh, somebody else's, or just meeting a celebrity. Let's let's talk about that all in next week's episode. But for now, I just want to thank CJ Skews for her bite-sized advice, to Erin Thomas for the listener comment, Martin Lumsden for the post-production, Clydesdale Music for the theme tune and your stop up for the marketing and to you guys for tuning in as always. So until next time, live well and keep creating in gratitude.
softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com I hope you enjoyed that episode of Creative Source. If you're looking for more support with your creative journey, I'm offering one-to-one online mentoring. Perhaps you want to launch a project but don't know where to start. Maybe you've got stuck around a certain issue, need some advice, or just want to bounce ideas around. Whatever it is, I'm here. Just hit the Patreon link in the show notes or go to patreon.com forward slash creative source with Andy Osho to find out more.